The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of StillCurtain.com. Joining me, as always, is Shane Kubis, contributor for Still Curtain. I was in training camp over the weekend, Shane. I'm going to share my thoughts on that. Lots of things to note down there. You really get a good insight of there being there in person, uh, watching those practices. And so I want to share a lot about uh, my notes and observations from that. We got Steelers football this week, Shane. And I we think do. everybody is ready for this Steelers take on the Buccaneers first preseason game down in Tampa Bay. Uh, we're going to talk about what to watch from that game. The things to keep an eye on most, but first Shane, as always, let's start off with some of the trending news this week regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it, it, this is unfortunate. We're going to talk about Colin, uh, Colin Coward's shameful comments here for a minute. And for those who, who don't know what Coward said uh, on his show the other day, um, he was talking about 20 quarterbacks, who will never make a Super Bowl. And I don't know how you mess this up, Shane. I don't know how something like this happens and how it gets through like the graphic team and Coward himself. But Dwayne Haskins, the late Dwayne Haskins, was one of the players, one of the 20 quarterbacks you mentioned will never make a Super Bowl. I don't know how this – it's. I just have no words for this, Shane. It's. I mean, the fact that he didn't know or, or at least forgot about Haskins' passing – last year i mean it's incredible so i think for me the first thing that i think we need to talk about with this is this is another example and we've talked about it i think a couple of times we made comments about it on the show before and you hear a lot of people talk about it a lot of the like big name high production sports shows they don't know as much as you think that they know right mm -hmm. like them having that platform doesn't always mean that they're always on the ball, that they know what they're talking about. And, you know, I'm not saying that we know a ton either, that we know everything, but mm -hmm. to have a graphic, and this is not just him, this is his entire team. This is the people who put the graphic together because it's not even just Dwayne Haskins. Like there's other things like why is EJ Manuel in here? He's been on the league for how long? Yeah. Like Bortles, yeah. like this is just a poorly put together segment across the board. And especially having Haskins on here is just inexcusable, but Everybody involved with this, it's just another example of why, like, these bigger sports shows, like I said, they tend to get things wrong more than they get them right, and they're really trying to just be entertainment, which is fine. Like, people, that's what it's there for. It's entertainment. It's not really, like, this hard-hitting news cycle mm -hmm. stuff, and that, that's okay. But this type of stuff is where it really gets into a point where it's not okay, right? It's not just, okay, now it's like, ah, it's just an entertainment show. Who cares? This is not the type of stuff you want to have happen on a live show like that, on in a show that it's put together. It's, it's a show that should be produced. Well, they have all the money in the world. They have the talent and stuff like this still happens. And this is obviously an extreme example of this, but 
this is again just a, a reminder to those who watch these shows you're not really getting insight you're just getting someone mm-hmm. who might be good at speaking their mind or you know saying crazy things mm-hmm. and you just have to hope that less stuff like this happens and that it, I don't expect him to apologize. He hasn't yet. He has not acknowledged it in any way. They've scrubbed the audio on their videos of it that are live right now, like on their YouTube and stuff like that. I think they're kind of just trying to push it away. And it really would not be that hard to just come out and say, hey, you know, our graphic team made a mistake. Colin made a mistake. We didn't address it at the time. You know, this is what happened, whatever. And then and then it's like, okay, well, you guys made a really huge mistake, but don't do it again, basically. Instead, mm-hmm. we probably won't hear anything about it ever again from them. And they will just go on as always and continue to put their show on. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's all surface level stuff to begin with, Shane. <laughs> it is. It's it, anytime that you try to cover so many sports and so many teams, it's you can much. only go so deep. Yeah, and so, I would I would caution everybody against trying to get your like in depth football information from any really of any these, sport these, from them. Yeah. Yes, it, uh, I know. And any of these podcasts or, or radio announcers and. And they just, you can only go so deep. And, and this is just more evidence to that. Like it's, but he's not the only one. I mean, the, no. the Stephen A. Smith's out there, all that kind of stuff. I mean, they do the X amount of hot takes and whatever else. Yeah. That's kind of what they're, they're their good at what they are. do, just, but it's not what I think. Yeah, they are. They're, is, they're, right? they're good at yeah. providing entertainment. They yeah. just, they don't, they're, they're not as deep as what you think. And it's because probably because they are stretched so thin with yeah. what they have to cover. Uh, but this is just something that, I mean, we don't want to see a mistake like this again. And, and no, uh, it's, it's just, just, yeah. It's one of those things that you just don't know how it happens. Like it, because coward's not the only one. It's like somebody put that graphic out there. Like I said, yeah, he's exactly. got somebody in That's his ear. Thing. Yeah. And so it, the fact that it got past that many people, I mean, uh, yeah, just, just, just not a great situation all around. All right, let's move on to something a little bit more lighthearted yes. here. Yeah, and and that is, uh, Kendrick green has been playing fullback for the Steelers this past week or so, a couple of weeks now, probably. Uh, I was down there and I got to watch him firsthand. He had some laid the wood out on some of those uh, defenders on there coming on uh, 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 Roblox and uh, uh, from the backfield. And so kind of fun to watch, actually. And I know everybody, did, I, they kind of look at some of these clips that have been posted out there. I say, oh, this isn't going to work. I mean, he's an offensive lineman making this transition in year three. I get all that. At the same time, Shane, there's something that kind of intrigues me about this. Like maybe arguably the best fullback in over the last two years in the NFL is Patrick Ricard of the Ravens. Mm-hmm. The guy's six foot three, 305 pounds. And so, and he's actually tested out as a little bit of worse athlete coming out of college uh, than what Kendrick green did. And so green, we knew the guy was nimble footed and athletic. That was never in question. What was in question we saw after his first year is the guy really, really struggles to anchor. That's not his forte. Yeah. That's not his strong suit where he's good is getting out in space, getting to the second level and just cracking somebody head on. And we've seen that early in camp, the signs of, okay, maybe, maybe there's something for him here. Maybe he can be kind of a dual role, multiple hats kind of guy. He can be the, the primary backup center. Maybe he can be a guy that comes on the field as a, as a fullback or an H back in, in situational football. Yeah. I think that's really the question here is like, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like everyone who's been there, including you, like everyone loves it, right? It's great. It's a cool story. He's fun to watch out there because he just looks out of place. And and Patrick Ricard comment, I think, is really important here because we've seen this kind of work at least, right? Like at least with Patrick mm-hmm. Ricard. Now he is an outlier, of course, and you know, dealing with outliers yeah. is always a question mark. But Green does have a skill set that really mirrors what fullbacks are asked to do in the modern NFL, and really forever as a lead blocker, as a guy who gets out to the second level in space. Like it removes a lot of the question marks in his game as a blocker, right? 
However, I think the problem with it is, can he be good enough at that to have a full-time roster spot, or does he have to show he can actually legitimately play center if he needs to in order to keep a roster spot that way? I think that's really what it comes down to. And if you're the Steelers, if he plays well enough at center as well and also can show he can play some fullback when you want to go heavier instead of having Connor as the main fullback, then yeah, maybe he does deserve a spot in the 53, maybe even the active roster at times, right? Like the active 40, whatever it's mm-hmm. 46, 47. But I just, it's going to come down to whether he can play back up center. I think it's really what it, like, I don't think this is going to move the needle enough to give him a roster spot. So it's fun for now. But if they decide they want to have a true backup center and not just kind of go with, mm-hmm. like, if Cole goes down, Daniel's the center and mix around the guards, like, then yeah, he very well could earn himself a spot and this would help him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it comes down to like a competition, Shane, you're talking like him, Ryan McCollum, maybe an outside guy. If he does offer that little bit of something extra where it's like, right. all right, we can get you on the field for a couple plays a game here and there. I mean, that's something worth considering. Now, obviously we have to wait and see if this is something that's even going to benefit the team at all. Uh, we'll see yeah. if it's used in preseason. I kind of, I'd like to, I'd, I'd like I, to see I, that if we're going to, and I, I think they will deploy him there, Shane, because I, I think this, I think the coaching staff is legitimately interested. Like what do you yeah. provide here? And for those who say, Oh, you can't take an offensive lineman, make him a fullback. Well, teams have done it. in before you, you, you already pointed out that the Patrick Ricard situation uh, is pretty exceptionally rare. Like this is uh it, it's not normal to have a fullback right. like this, but in today's game, Shane, it's not really normal to have a fullback. I mean, there's general, only like 12 it's, or 14 it's very teams different. That yeah. Carry a fullback on the roster. What I will say though, is anybody that thinks that green is, is not athletic enough. If, if, if you're pointing to athleticism as the reason why he can't do this, I wouldn't say that because no. he's actually more athletic than some of the fullbacks who are still on NFL rosters today. In fact, Kendrick Green ran a faster 40 than Zach Gentry did coming out of college for what yeah. it's worth. And so the guy ran a 489. And, and, and so, and he's pretty quick footed. Uh, we don't know if, if he has a role on an NFL roster at all, but I, I'm at least interested to see you spend the third round pick, third round pick on the guy. If he can't cut it at anything, then you know that that what you have is just it's time to end the experiment. Yeah. But not. if he does offer something, if he can be a serviceable backup, at center and if he can be a quality fullback or H back in certain situations for the mm-hmm. Steelers, then that's something that offers a little bit of intrigue. Now, the thing is the Steelers already have excellent depth at tight end. And so you, if you're going to yeah. use him at, in that H back uh, nub role right there on the, on the side of the line of scrimmage, you've got guys that can do that already. Yes. Yeah. And if you're taking Connor Hayward off the field, who is certainly going to be the better receiver of, yeah. of that fullback H back role, uh, it's one of those things that you have to consider, but also know that, I mean, Stewart's got guys that can, can already wear multiple hats like a Hayward there. Uh, but I am a little bit intrigued by, it. I'm not brushing it away completely. Like yeah, a lot I of fans are doing. I think say, oh, this is ridiculous. give him a shot and see, cause the way I see mm-hmm. it is we've had trouble in, in the short yards and red zone game for the last couple of years, right? Despite our back being, you know, 240 pounds or so the push just hasn't always been there, right? To kind of help get those yeah. short situations and, and red zone situations, you get those touchdowns. He might be valuable just from that perspective as a blocker in those situations. And mm-hmm. it would be a tip if he's on the field that it's probably going to be a run. But like in those situations, teams are yeah. already expecting the run anyway. Like it's not like we're, especially mm-hmm. if it's a true heavy set, like, yeah, you could play action off of it. And like, in that case, it doesn't matter because he's not going to be one of the targets anyway. He's going to be with the tight end or maybe the one wide receiver on the wide side of the field, like whatever it may be. So I think he could be valuable just in those situations alone. 
which again, unless he's, and this is all comes back down to like, he has to win the backup center job and it has to be a rosterable spot. Like the Steelers have to decide they need a true backup center. If that happens, then I could see this mattering a lot more, but. Yeah, sadly, Shane, uh, the Steelers don't seem to be in the business of disguising their intent. No, not really. Not because like last year, we, so. we we can we can see what Miles Boykin. Yeah, when, he was on the field, he was, yeah, he was when these yeah. guys are on the field, there's a good chance Steelers are running the football. They're doing yeah, a jet sweep, or they're at least faking the jet sweep. And so, uh, you're yeah. probably right there. If, if Green's going to be out there, it, it probably means that we know what the Steelers are doing. I just don't know if they care. They 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 want to line up and, and dominate the other side of the football. But please do throw in play action every once in a while. I think you can nice. keep the, yeah. the defense on its heels a little bit for what it's worth. Kind of an interesting thing, though. And so keep an eye on that uh, yeah. this Friday night, and we'll see if the Steelers throw Kendrick Green out That'd there at fun. fullback yeah. at all. I'll be interested to see the results of those plays uh, if mm-hmm. they indeed do. All right, we're going to move on to our first big discussion topic for today. Uh, before I do that, please chime in with the yes. chat. We are live here. Uh, and if you have any questions you want to ask us, please chime in and we would love to get to those questions. All right, Shane, biggest observations from Steelers training camp. I was there over the weekend. I know that you had, had plans to come yeah, and meet me there. That kind of fell through a little bit. Yeah. That's all right. I'll be your eyes for now. Good. Okay. And hopefully we can get down uh, there together sometime soon. Absolutely. Uh, let's take a look and we're going gonna to go through some of my biggest notes. Lots of things to note from down there. And I went back through uh, um, after the practices and kind of studied the things uh, that I had found most intriguing. And so I came, uh, collected all this data after the weekend, kind of put it together. And so I'm going to go through some of the biggest here. Uh, I want to talk about Darnell Washington. This is a player that's getting a lot of buzz and rightfully so like you see the guy live in person. He is a spectacle. I mean, yeah, it's, I he, he looks the part. I mean, he, he legitimately looks like a cross between a tight end and an offensive tackle. And Daniel Jeremiah was down there when I was there, actually, Shane. Mm-hmm. And D- Jeremiah said that he's convinced that Darnell is playing at about 290 right now. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the case or not. I mean, he was already 270 at his pro day. Right. The guy looks big. And where he dominates is when those pads come on and the Steelers have those practices. So that's the good part about his game. Run blocking, all that kind of stuff. Even in pass protection. Like, he he handled TJ Watt. Like, I was, wa- I was there watching the one-on-ones and he did that backs on backers drill as well as you can do that for a player in that position has to go against a former uh, defensive player of the year. Like what now at the same time, I want to be really honest about what I saw with him. Washington's a bit lumbering. Yeah. And, and I just don't know if it's something about his game that is going to change. Like he's not a very sudden football player. And this isn't new really Shane. This is something that we witnessed during his time at Georgia there. Now, long strider good down the seam can still box people out with his body but when it came to seven on sevens 11 on 11s when i was i was kind of singling him out watching him there there just isn't a lot of separation in his game like he's not very fluid in and out of his breaks like between him and Fryermuth in terms of like route running ability night and day different yeah, and he's, he's just not going to be that f tight end he is the true y tight end your inline blocker and i think he could be one of the best in the league at that role i think he's got the upside for that at least but he is going to be limited a bit as a receiver. So if you're expecting this guy to be Gronkowski, right, which isn't fair to begin with, no, uh, yeah. or, or any any of the like, name your name your six foot six, six foot seven tight end. He's not going to be the most fluid player, and as a result, I don't think he's going to get targeted a ton because he's always going to have kind of that linebacker, that safety right in his hip pocket. I mean, you're going to have to throw it high and away. And fortunately, he has a massive catch radius. It's going to be one of the biggest in the league with his wingspan. But 
I think he is going to be a little bit, a little bit limited as a receiver. I, I just noticed of the group, he is much, much closer to Zach Gentry as a receiver than he is to Friar And that might just kind of be the case with him still pleased with the pick. I'm really pleased with what I saw, particularly as a blocker down there. Um, but I think that he could kind of be limited in, in that aspect of his game. Yeah, and again, this is nothing that's really unexpected. I think that was kind of the book on him coming out, was that if he was drafted higher than he was, which, again, he fell a little bit because of possible future knee concerns and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But um, we we kind of knew that if he was ever going to be a higher pick, it was really based on his upside as a blocker and somebody who could be a red zone target, right? This was not going to be a full-time, like, he's getting eight, nine targets a game. It's not going to be his role. But... I think that what he does well, like you said, Tom, I think it's very, very valuable for a team, especially like the Steelers who clearly want to get the running game going to the point where it can be the focal point of the offense, right? Him as a run blocker on the move, especially, I think is going to be devastating against certain teams that just can't handle oh, yeah. that size. And then on top of that, you talk about as a pass blocker. I think he's a better pass blocker right now than he is a run blocker, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. That's kind of where I see him making a huge impact on certain plays where they keep him in actually as a pass blocker, where he doesn't even go out for a route to begin with and just kind of help out, whether it's Dan Moore or core for whoever needs help against certain assignments that can be a really important role for him early on. And then you talked about lumbering and like everything else. I do think he has good buildup speed. Like you said, I think he can get down the seam if given enough time and he can run yeah, away sure. from, from guys if he has enough time to get up to speed but it just takes him a while, right? So it has to be long developing plays mm-hmm. or it has to be like you throw him like a little crosser where he's already run up and gotten up to speed and he can kind of scoot down the sideline. We saw that at Georgia a couple of times. There's ways to get him involved as a receiver. It's just not clearly as simple as it is getting Pat Fryer with the ball, right? It's not just like, oh, he's mm-hmm. going to be open, so throw him the ball. So that's yeah. what's going to be different about those two, yeah. Yeah, and don't look for a guy that's going to be like snapping in and out of his breaks and no, no, no. separation. Like that's just not his game. It's not fair I, for a guy I, that's I, nice to do. No, that. no, but I, I'm going to stick with my original prediction, Shane. I loved this guy. I mean, I, oh, I, yeah, I would have been, I would have been content with one of the second round picks. That's how much I liked him as a blocker yes. and just this the, the sure physical specimen mm-hmm. that you were getting there. And I still think that p- fans are going to be very pleased with this yes. pick overall. It's just going to be mostly as a blocker, someone as a receiver, and he will wow you at times as a receiver where he can just go up and snag the ball with one hand or whatever, right. catch it in traffic. Uh, he has that ability to do that. It's just never going to be probably at a consistent basis uh, with that part. But I agree with the, the pass blocking stuff. I mean, outstanding. Like it's, it's as good as I remember seeing at training camp from a rookie tight end and worlds beyond Friar Muth. I think that he's a better blocker today than what Friar Muth is, where, where Friar Muth is oh, more yeah of the receiving tight end. And I think that he's a guy that can like negate a miles Garrett. If you put him out there to, to chip with Dan Moore, I mean, he's going to get a nice, a nice little chip there at the beginning, more so mm-hmm. than anybody else can offer. It's and that's why he was called the sixth offensive lineman at yeah, Georgia. That's why it's not hard to see why. And so mm-hmm. very talented football player you can see. Um, and so that's the good and the bad with him. Uh, let's move on to my next observation here. And this was anytime Kenny Pickett was thrown to Calvin Austin. There's a big adjustment that needs to be made here. And it's not that this connection has been bad. They've, they've connected on several like 40 plus yard plays at camp so far. It's just so different. Like when you have a George Pickens and you loft that ball up back shoulder, you got to throw to Austin in a very different way than you yeah. do to Pickens because a guy that's five, seven, three quarters, 170 pounds soaking wet. When he tries to put his foot in the ground and come back for the football, 
you're not going to get the same results. And so instead of lofting that ball up there for him, everything seems like it's been a bit underthrown, Shane. And I don't know if that's because trying to make that adjustment, you're throwing to Pickens on the outside and you're throwing to Allen Robinson and Akeem Butler on the outside. And all of a sudden, Austin does a wheel route. You throw to him on the outside. He can't put his foot in the ground and go up and get the ball. Even with as explosive as he was and, and right. the, the phenomenal athlete he is, you're always going to have limitations with 30-inch arms and being a sub-five-foot-eight football player. Where Pickens needs to be better and, and this connection needs to grow th- with this chemistry is throw that, try to overthrow the guy. I mean, that's mm-hmm. honestly how you have to look at it. Try to overthrow the guy with 4-3-2 speed and trust that Austin is going to be able to run underneath that football as he pulls away from cornerbacks on, down the field because there are very few cornerbacks, if we're being honest, that are going to be able to stick with him stride for stride if that ball is put out there. And so I noticed that it's nearly every pass that I witnessed, Shane, and there were several deep shots from uh, from Pickett to Austin, everything was just a little bit underthrown. It's just enough where, yes, if it was a bigger receiver, they could do the back shoulder mm-hmm. at that point because the defender's face guarding you. You can put your foot in the ground. You can go high point the football. Don't make Austin do that. Do, do what's going to be best for him. Hit him in stride in the middle of the field on these crossers. Like lead him out there. Let him track that ball down, especially down the field, because you're not going to win often with that height if it's in a contested situation. So it's Pickett's job, I think, to kind of make that adjustment from throwing to a six, three and a quarter Pickens who can jump through the roof to a, a five, seven and three quarters Calvin Austin, who has speed to burn, throw that ball out there and let him track it down. Yeah. And I think a lot of it does come back to, he just hasn't had the opportunity to throw those type of true, like moon mm-hmm. ball type deep balls. Right. Because last year, the closest we yeah. had to someone who could get down the field in the way that Calvin d- did is Deontay. And he just still doesn't have the straight line speed that, that Calvin has. Right. You, you look yep. at a guy like, like Pickens, you're trying to throw the ball, in a position where he can just go up and body the corner because it's more likely to be completed that way. Mm-hmm. And w- with, with Calvin, like you talked about, he does have a role, I think, as a true deep threat from the outside. I think he can do that as the, as the Z, but you do have to prepare yourself to throw those balls a little bit differently. And I think a key thing and for a lot of quarterbacks, right, and I've noticed this for a long time, is releasing the ball sooner is a huge part of this. Is mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not just waiting for him to separate. I'm throwing the ball to somewhere where he can outrun the corner, right? And that's yeah. a big part of throwing a deep ball that I think a lot of people don't realize is like most deep balls that are completely in the NFL, like sometimes they do just dust the corner and they're open for the whole time. But you're trying to throw the ball to a spot where by the time the ball gets there, your receiver's going to beat that corner, right? Like you know they have you know a step on them and now they're going to have three or four by the time the ball gets there. Kenny has to get used to that. He isn't. He just doesn't know how to really. I don't think he really has to do that a whole lot, or had to do that a whole lot last year. It just didn't pop up. If it does pop up this year, if you get the opportunity to throw that, he does. Though, like you said, he has to be ready to be able to put that ball out there farther and just trust Calvin to run under it. Yeah, and that's a great point, Shane. If you wait half a second too long with a guy that runs legit four three, you're not going to be able to hit him in stride because yeah. because a player like Pickett is just not going to have. The arm strength. I'm not knocking him. He's the not throwing 70 enough. yards down. No, it's, it's not going to happen. Yes, that's, and that's, most that's guys don't. It's, it's, yeah, most guys no, don't. So mo- like, unless you're like Josh Allen and these rare exceptions. Like yeah, these, that's about These it. physical freaks. Like it, it's like Drew Bre- Drew Brees threw in stride, and that's how he yes. was so, so good. At One the of the best deep ball throwers ever. Yeah, and it's not because yes, he was throwing it, the ball 50 yards. Or no, something. he he didn't wait, 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 and then and then try to throw like a 65 yard pass and stride down the field. It just doesn't work that way. So you're right. Hitting him in stride is going to help. And Shayna, it's also important to remember. 
Calvin Austin was on I he never played a preseason yeah, snap yeah, he last didn't play year. So with Pickett at all. So he, yeah. he was injured so early in training camp that these two have to rebuild this chemistry again. And so it's unfortunate we're one year behind the curve now. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have already started that connection and bit, be yeah. a, a year ahead of the track. Uh, but now it's it's gonna be that adjustment because I will say that that picket to pickens connection is legit. I mean, yes. those two are on the same page. Pickett is really good with those back shoulder fades, and he trusts his big receiver to go up and get the ball. It's just going to be an adjustment when it comes to Calvin Austin. You can't throw to him the same way. Those those two receivers could not be more opposite. And so I think it's one that will come in time, uh, but it's something that definitely I noticed has to improve uh, in the coming weeks. All right, Shane, I want to talk about a player who this might be a little bit surprising. I think was the player that stood out to me the very most when I was down at practice over the weekend and that's Connor Hayward. And, and I, I got to admit, like I was not the biggest yeah. Connor. Hay- I was not the biggest fan of, of drafting a fullback. I mean, it's just the way I like, I think that most teams can get away without having one, but Hayward is so much more versatile than the player that I was envisioning coming out of Michigan state. And he has been phenomenal at camp so far. I mean, yeah. even just his route running, for example, and what I watched down there from him, it just constantly stood out to me. Like, He's snapping his head around uh, in and out of his breaks. Like he's creating separation. He's snagging balls like effortlessly, like down by his ankles. And he's doing this stuff routinely. And it's like, this guy can line up anywhere. He looks like, I, I said in one of my articles, Shane, I think he, he looks like an eight-year veteran out there. Just, just knows everything to do. I mean, when it comes to even running the positional drills, he was second behind Fryermuth every time running these drills, like over Zach Gentry. And the guy just knows what to do. He knows where to be. And I don't care if he's sub six foot. I don't care if, if he's not a great athlete. The guy is just a born football player and it runs in his blood. It's not hard to see why with, with his dad and his brother. And so he can wear so many hats for this team. I'm actually pretty excited about what he'll offer them in 2023. Yeah. And you go back to him in Michigan state and like he started as a running back, didn't have the athleticism mm-hmm. really cut it there. And then Kenneth Walker comes in and and you know they they kind of put him more in that fullback H back role, and he just he did everything for that team: special yeah. teams, fullback, tight end, and you see it coming in the NFL. And I think the question with him was, can he replicate yeah. that at the NFL level? Because it's a whole different ball game mm-hmm. to be like that was, and, and that was the question and, that I had. Yeah, yeah, like sub six foot, and you're like you know two hundred what thirty forty pounds. It's just mm-hmm. a lot to ask somebody to play at, at that height and that body type and be a hybrid player. But he has shown more, even last year, I mean, some of the catches he made, some of the plays that he made last year as a rookie, like we should be expecting even more of that type of stuff from him, even though they did add Darnell Washington and everything else. It doesn't really eat into his role, though. So it's, it's going to be a different conversation with him. But yeah, it, it, I think you're right. Like he's going to wear a lot of hats for this team. And I think he's going to make an even bigger mm-hmm. impact, not just you know on the field, but on in the stat sheet, too. I do think he's going to get more total touches. He's going to get the ball in his hands a little bit more. And he's he's really blocked the hell out of some people this this camp. I've seen a lot of clips of that too. Like he's gonna have a huge mm-hmm. role in this team compared to what fullbacks generally have in the NFL nowadays. Yeah, and he's been holding up well in like the 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 backs on backers. I mean, yep. everything that they've asked him to do, he looks good at it. Even when yeah. they they bring like that Oklahoma drill, uh, <laughs> the guy is just 
so far advanced of what he should be for a guy coming into his second yeah, training camp. Thinks, and it's, yeah, that you'd expect. It's, yeah. it's crazy to see that. But but like you said, Shane, like he did all these things at Michigan State. But I'm like, all right, the, he's well, trans very undersized yeah. for the position. He's kind of I mean, tested as a very average athlete. Yeah, he's just way further along than I thought he would be. I see a lot of 22 personnel in mm-hmm. the future. I would have to guess because they're going to want to get this guy in the field, and so I'm excited for what he offers this year. Uh, all right, let's talk about Broderick Jones here. The big one. I mean, this is Steelers first round selection. I'm a big Broderick Jones fan. Uh, he he was my selection. If the Steelers made that pick in the first round, he's the guy that I wanted. I think there's a ton of upside to be had here. This former five-star recruit, freaky athlete at left tackle. It's a left tackle is obviously one of the most important positions in football. Unfortunately, Shane, what I saw over the weekend showed me that Jones isn't quite there yet. There were certainly flashes, not quite there yet. Uh, in 11 on 11s, much better as a run blocker from what I witnessed down at, at camp over the weekend than he was in pass protection. Uh, he did get dusted a few times in pass pro with a little ghost move uh, from Quincy Roche and a few others. I'd have to go back and, and look at my notes there. Um, but the pass protection was not as pretty as as it was in the run blocking game where I thought he, he kind of stood out there in a positive light. Uh, the overall sample, though, kind of showed me like Dan Moore was a little bit more consistent down there and i was hoping a couple weeks in this training camp maybe the the that paradigm shift would happen already uh it might take a little bit longer than i expected here and and i kind of said from the beginning shane i wouldn't be surprised if this is like the kenny pickett mitch trubisky scenario all over again where it's like all right we get into week three week four and now we're starting to think about maybe a transition here and a lot of that will depend on how dan moore is doing at the time like if he's doing really well there may be no reason to rush jones on the field at the same time what the biggest knock on Broderick in college is that he just doesn't have reps. I mean, the guy started mm-hmm. one full season at Georgia, a, a very partial season prior to that, and then never played. The guy was sitting behind Andrew Thomas at left tackle, Jamari Salieri the year after, and so he's he's sitting behind NFL players, yes, NFL college, like in, more than NFL college. Yes. Oh, and, and Andrew Thomas is probably maybe a top three left tackle in the game already. Right so now, it's great yeah, to, for sure. to sit and learn from him. And a lot of people have, have compared him to a similar type prospect. I want to see him get out there sooner rather than later. Obviously, we know that it, the job's going to be his at some point. He's the more talented player of the two. Not that not that more just grossly lacks talent or anything that way, but there's a reason why Moore yeah. was the mid-fourth round pick and Broderick, you trading up for to the 14th overall selection. And so right. we want that transition to happen because Broderick is ready. We don't want the transition to happen just because Dan Moore is struggling or something that way. So from my observation, I think it's going to take a little bit longer than I was initially hoping for. Yeah, let, let me ask you with, with his pass protection because I, I feel like I have a, mm-hmm. an idea of because I haven't been able to see many clips of it. Was he lunging yeah. a lot? He yes, and, okay. and that's what he did at Georgia. That's, like that's doing the yeah. doing the head lunge. That's how I, I would say like seventy percent of the time that that it wasn't a pretty rep. It was because he was lunging forward, putting yes, his head down. Kind okay. of the stuff we saw on his draft tape a lot. That's what um, and so yeah. he he's got to clean up the technique. Like we know the guy is is strong in respect to his frame. We know that he's he's a great athlete. He's a 96 percentile athlete in respect to the left tackle or the offensive tackle position. He just has to clean up those mechanics, and he's got to be a lot more consistent. Because if you have a couple of those reps in a game where you lunge forward and just completely whip on the guy, I mean, you can, that get, can get your quarterback and, and, killed. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the determining factor of what the Steelers decide to do here and why they could enter the season with Dan Moore because they'll say we just can't have these ugly reps happening like that. 
Yeah, and I think that's the pr- the one problem with with this team drafting a tackle like Broderick Jones is we love the upside. You know he's going to play eventually, yeah. but they are very much concerned about being competitive right now, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas a team like the Giants, when they drafted a guy like Andrew Thomas, who did have a rough rookie season because he did yeah. have some things to clean up mm-hmm. and he did have to work on stuff, he, you know, he had the luxury of going out there every day and being able to lose those battles and, and learn from them. Whereas Broderick might not get that chance as soon as as Thomas did because. Steelers are trying to make sure that Kenny Pickett stays upright. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously the right decision. So I'm not criticizing that if they don't play him immediately. But you do want to see Broderick hopefully get to a point where he at least is good enough in pass protection consistently, where you're not worried about the true like whiffs where Kenny gets depleted yeah. from behind and you know force fumbles. Like as long as that isn't going to be a major issue. I think that once that gets to that point, we will see him out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe even sooner than that if they just feel like it's it's just time to do it. But it does seem like the tackles in general just haven't been very good at camp. But again, you're dealing with Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt and, and Herbig's looked great. And which I'm obviously happy about that. So like I give them a little bit of leeway because you're not going to face that level of, of pass rush every time that they play, but it's still something you would have liked to see mm-hmm. a little bit, be, be a little bit better this year. So, yeah. And you mentioned it, Shane, like if the Steelers were a bit more forward thinking or, or future minded, then maybe they would make this transition from day one, say, Hey, we're going to take our lumps early in the season. Right. He's going to be more refined by the end of the year, but they just, they, they do care so much about each and every game. And that's a, a good thing because you, you want to without the team's built right day. now. Yeah. So, and so for that reason, like if I just had to make a prediction right now, based on what I saw and I witnessed there at camp, I think that Dan Moore will begin the season as a starter and a lot can change over the, the next three weeks of preseason right. games. And we can see, just the shift happening as we watch and, and, and it yeah. can happen really quickly. It, it probably um, won't take that much for it to change. And that's the key thing is not yeah, a whole yeah. lot has to change for that to happen. Yeah. And I will say that it's not one of those things where it's like, Oh my goodness, just Dan Moore is just so much further ahead than right. Roderick right now. Cause there are practices. There have been practices uh, when I, when I wasn't down there observing that it certainly looked like Broderick Jones was the better, was the better player yeah. of the two. And so it's kind of a back and forth thing. I think more has been more consistent overall, yeah. and that's going to give him the edge, at least starting uh, in these preseason games and being listed as a starter for now. So I'm interested to see how that ends up. And like I said, at the end of the day, Shane, you're only going to keep the 14th overall pick on the bench for so long. I mean, exactly. the guy's going to come yeah. in He's gonna be at some point bench. early in the season. Yep. All right. Let's talk about my next note here. That's Keanu Benton. Really stood out to me while I was down there. This is your guy, Shane, my, yep. my Wisconsin mm-hmm. guy right here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benton is, I will say, if if Broderick is a little bit behind where I thought he would be, Benton's a little bit further ahead. And so that's a good yeah. thing because you're going to be calling on him often this mm-hmm. year. I think even though, regard, I don't care what the Steelers' initial depth yeah, chart it's says. Not, it's not going to. It doesn't matter. I mean, you, yeah. you, you're, that's a basically just a nod to like seniority on the team. It's, Pretty much, it's not going to be. Part, yeah. Mont- Montrevious Adams, I'd be surprised if, if he's starting, starting those tackles. Yeah, yeah, by the start of the season. Uh, Benton, I think, is going to be that guy for the Steelers. He's going to play nose. He's going to be a guy that can play situational football, come in uh, in nickel. And, and pair him with a Cam Hayward or, or an Ogan Joby because I just think that he's going to be probably the third best interior defender yep. on this team, probably from the gate. And so what I saw from him down there, Shane, was just a combination of things. Like in, in the one-on-one one drills, the O-line versus D-line, had some really nice moves. Like I always liked his bend mm-hmm. uh, in, in, his, in his hand fight there at Wisconsin. And so definitely won with a couple easy reps there. Now he was going against second team. I think mm-hmm. a couple of the reps were like against Ryan McCollum maybe. Um, and so it's not like you're going against the the most grand competition, right. but it's nice to see those wins. And then when we did get in 11 on 11 situations, Shane, in the first and second team 
uh, against the first and second team offense, he had some really nice run fits as well. And including one where he just instantly knifed into the backfield and dropped Anthony McFarland for like a two yard loss. And so you love to see those type of plays show up, get the crowd hooping and hollering because uh, he definitely stood out to me while I was down there. And I think uh, this is a guy that they're going to call on. And I wouldn't be surprised by next year, Shane, if he trails only Cameron Hayward as, as the best interior defender on the team. Right. And I think for me, and like, I'm glad to, to hear that. I did see reports of that as well. You know, whenever you were at that practice, I saw a lot of that too. And I think for me, what I'm hoping to see from him is I just want him to be able to hold up well enough in the run game as rookie to fill that nose yeah. tackle role. And I, I think it's going to be more of like, like when we had Javon Hartgrave, right? Where like, he wasn't a mm. true like nose, but he played that position for us. And he kind of was true. a playmaker as run defender opposed to a gap eater. I think it's going to be more of that, like the, the play where he yeah. knifed in and got McFarland. Like that's the type of play that you'll see him splash the run game. He's probably not going to be a super consistent run defender just because, again, if you ask him to play nose, not quite that type of player, but it can work for what we need him to be. Mm -hmm. And then it comes down like I think he's already a relatively advanced pass rusher. Like I think he has legitimate pass rush moves. He has the bend like you talked about. This is a guy that if you put him in on third down against especially centers, like I just don't think a lot of centers are going to handle him very well. And that's going to be a huge advantage to the pass rush on certain situations where you want to get all your best guys out there for, you know, the got to have it down. So he will, I think, early in the season even be one of those guys that's out mm -hmm. there for those. Yeah, and there's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes mm -hmm. to the nose tackle position or the zero technique. Right. Uh, in that base three, four defense and, and Hargrave is the perfect example of that. I right. mean, this Hargrave is certainly a player who fits the, the, the four, three mold as that three technique rusher yeah. a lot better than he does as, as a defensive tackle. Yeah. Yes. As a penetrating defensive tackle, much better than he does as a, I'm going to two gap you and hold up. Yeah, the line exactly. But there's still a lot of value in a guy that can kind of knife in there and get pressure mm -hmm. that way and be disruptive in his own way. And I do think that, I, I mean, at least in terms of his tape at Wisconsin, I did think that Benton was further along as a pass rusher than he was as a run defender. Like he right. needs to get yeah. more stout and more consistent in that area of his game still, but there's a lot of value in that guy. And a lot of times, Shane, honestly, you want to get the best football players on the field. Exactly. And so yeah. if you're taking a little, and I'll just give you an example out here, like if you put Braden Fahoku on the field to be just that zero tech plugging nose tackle, and he offers nothing in terms of pass rush. If I can get a guy who might not be quite as stout in the run, like a Benton, but can get in the backfield and offer pressure more consistently. I mean, obviously situation down and distance, all that stuff has to That's be considered all factor. in. Yeah. but typically you want to get your most talented players on the field. And I don't have any question uh, that, that Benton is, is more talented than most of that group that they have there more so than the, than the Armand Watts and more so than the, the Fahoku's and the Montrevious Adams is. And so, and all these guys, again, offer a little bit different a role. I think Benton though, will be that versatile guy that can kind of do a little bit of everything because he's got that build. He he's, he's got that frame that can, that can hold up against double team blocks if you need him to, but he also is nimble enough and agile enough that he can kind of cut in the backfield and, and make some things happen uh, in the passing game too. So I'm excited to see, what he brings, keep your eye on him. That'll be a fun yeah. player to watch. This and, uh, I think it'd be different too. If we had a true, like dominant run defensive, like run stop and defensive tackle. Yeah, it would be. Yes. Like if we had a Grover Stewart yeah. or a DJ reader or whoever, exactly. Like, it'd be different, but because we don't really have that, if it's third and one and I need to stop, I'm probably going to put mm -hmm. the guy in who might be able to beat the, the center yeah. outright and tackle the running back in the backfield, opposed to just the guy plugging up gaps. Like, that's at least that's kind of where I think this team is at with the run defense. And I think that's fine for the most part. 
Yeah, and, and honestly, like Shane, if that were the case and the Steelers had their DJ reader, yeah. they had their dominant yeah. run defender, then maybe Benton, we wouldn't be talking about him as a nose tackle at all. Like right, he would just be a third, where, he'd just be a three tackle. Yes, yeah. he, which he, he will be, the, be eventually anyway. Yes, and, and, and so it'll be interesting to see where they move him. I do think he has position flex all along that defensive Pretty line, much, which is yeah. good. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and again, it's it's I, I, another example. I don't think that Larry Ogunjobi is like the perfect five technique, like in terms of no. frame and how he wins. But yeah, the Steelers are are putting him on the field in that position. And so uh, it, it'll be interesting because there's a lot of moving pieces here. I'm interested to see what they do with DeMarvin Leal. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I think this preseason will kind of give us a sense of how these players uh, are going to be planned to be used in the 2023 season. All right, enough about Benton. Let's move on. Got a few more talking <laughs> points here, my observations. In fact, I know you can talk about Benton all day long. I don't want to do that. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, let's talk about George Pickens here. He is a cut above like the wide receiver group yeah. in, in terms of talent. Like it, it just jumps off the, off the page at you really when you're, when you're down there and watching him and this is nothing against Deontay. It's nothing against other players who, who happen to win in easier ways than he does. Like Deontay's a great separator. Yep. But if you were to know nothing about this wide receiver group at all prior mm-hmm. to seeing them and you were to go down there for a couple of days and watch them at training camp, leave no doubt. Uh, George Pickens is the most talented player of the group with what he can do. And it's not just winning the occasional wow play down the sideline. And everybody obviously saw the big viral play jumping over Joey Porter Jr. Bringing that ball Mm -hmm. up over the top, but he does it more consistently than you think. And it's not just on the go routes too. Like he can, he can really stretch for those, uh, the, to, to, to rise up for those passes on slants and posts. And so, uh, deep comebacks, he was being used and just the toe tapping ability and, the range that this guy possesses is just, it, it's crazy. And so uh, that, that was a big takeaway that I had from being down there. Shane was just how much more talented he is really than the next guy in, in this wide receiver room. And it's nice to have guys that win in different ways because they do need a separator still like, like a Deontay, they could really use the speed of a Calvin Austin, yeah. but you watch him uh, of, of the players uh, of that group, but also with the players of who win in similar ways. Like there's just no contest between him and Al Robinson, him and Hakeem Butler. Like he's, he's just to the X, uh, exponent there. So, uh, it j- just a specimen to watch down there for sure. Yeah. And I think the thing about George is that it's not just that he's talented, right? It's that he's very uniquely mm-hmm. talented. He is a very different yeah. type of player than not just the rest of the Steelers receivers, but really across the league. There just isn't many guys who are so good at what he specifically does that they are mm-hmm. a f- effective player, right? Like you've, you've seen guys flash in that way, like a Kenny Galladay, for example, or you know guys like that who flash that ability, but then it just never really translates long-term. Pickens is a different type of talent in that regard where he can, for the most part, I legitimately believe that he could be a thousand yard receiver in a, in a good passing offense mm-hmm. pretty consistently, even if he doesn't really develop much beyond where he's at right now as, as a route runner and things like that. Now, mm-hmm. obviously we want to see that it's going to really elevate his game, allow him to be like a true number one receiver, but even where he is right now, it's just really hard to deal with him for pretty much any corner in the league. There's very few guys who physically can hang with him well enough to really affect his ability to catch the football. I mean, Jerry Porter's literally the prototype corner to deal with George yeah. Pickens, right? He's long, tall, fast enough, all that stuff, sticky in coverage. And it it just didn't matter sometimes. It still doesn't matter sometimes. That tells you a lot about the kind of player he is. And I do think that if they can tap into that even more this year and then hopefully get him in the open field a little bit more and let him use some of his athleticism that he's shown, 
we could be looking at a serious year two breakout situation for George. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that it's a stretch Shane to say that this guy has generational talent in terms of his ability to specifically that ability. Yes. Yeah. That niche can be so special because it Mm -hmm. it honestly reminds me that specific ability and not, not necessarily the overall game, right? He's not the, he's not the route runner of a Deandre Hopkins. Right. We've, we've talked about Hopkins before. Like that's specific ability in the air. Yes. And and like, he's not like as physically violent after the catches, like what Des Bryant was. Right. But in terms of just the ability to go up and get the football and and Mm -hmm. just natural ball tracking ability, I think he's, can be on par with those guys. I really do. Like he's yeah, that special at that niche. And so I think that that's something the Steelers need to take advantage of a lot. Like, mm-hmm. and Kenny Pickett just said, I mean, he's, he's like, if it's one-on-one situation, he's going to find, yeah, he's I'm gonna, I'm gonna the, the just to makes too much sense. It, and it, it yeah, it, it's, it's the right thing to do because again, you had 109.3 pass rating when Steelers quarterbacks threw to him last year. Crazy. And that was not a particularly great passing exactly. season by Trubisky yeah. and Pickett combined. Right. right. Uh, and so get the guy, the football, um, you play to his strengths, boy, that back shoulder connection, it, it was looking strong while I was down there, Shane. And it, and it happened again. And even, I mean, there was that when I was there that they, they capped off the practice with a two minute drill and a touchdown, the toe tapping touchdown, the pickings, uh, over the middle of the field there. And so I'm, I'm really excited for that connection down there. Um, and, and I think that Pickens has a chance to be special in that regard. All right. We will wrap up my observations with talking about Kenny Pickett right now. And the strides that he made from last year to where he is right now, Shane, very, very easy to see. And and you could tell this just by like reading other people's practice notes and what they were saying about him. But you get down there in person for a couple practices and you watch him. The guy just overflows with confidence. And it's a, it's a night and day difference from last year. And it's not that Pickett wasn't a confident player to begin with, because I think that his personality and his confidence was one of his strengths. But you can see that this guy is not afraid to sling it this year. I mean, he's throwing the ball deeper down the field. He's doing it with more frequency than he did last year. Uh, he's keeping his eyes down. That Maybe the biggest one of all, Shane, that I noticed um, from Pickett, when that, that he feels that pressure coming, he's keeping his eyes down the field, and that head isn't moving as he's scrambling around, and he's finding players and throwing on the run, delivering accurate passes on the run, Whereas before I noticed and I was down there last year and I kind of watched him in some of those situations, he would kind of just tuck that ball in his arm and, and take off with it. You like to see this type of growth with him where it's like, I'm going to be pass first. I'm always going to be pass first and I'm going to keep my eyes down the field. This is how Pickett's going to win. I said it mm-hmm. when the Steelers drafted him, uh, he doesn't have elite arm talent, but boy, the guy can really throw on the run. And when he's scrambling, I think that's where he can be at his best. And so definitely encouraged by some of those plays that I saw from him down there and even just operating in timing, delivering good passes on those 20 yard uh, comeback routes towards the sideline. And just, uh, I I was impressed with what I saw this year and noticeable difference, Shane, um, in terms of his performance at training camp. When I viewed him this time last year, when I was down there for a couple of days last year, compared to a couple of days this year, a night and day difference that way. Yeah. And I I think, that everyone has been saying the same thing, right? Everyone who saw him last year went to camp last year. There's a there's a huge difference the way he's operating, right? And the, yeah. the aggressiveness, the ability to stay either in the pocket or at least keep his eyes downfield when he escapes the pocket. Like all those things are, are better than last year. And I think with Kenny, the thing that's really interesting about him, and you talked about it, like the arm talent isn't anything special. It's definitely league average-ish. You know, maybe this year it's a little bit better. Yeah. I've seen reports of him getting a little bit stronger, which is great, but but his ability to still throw the ball with accuracy and, and velocity while, th- while throwing on the run is probably his most 
elite trait that he's going to have in the NFL. Like if he has a got to have it trait, like something that's going to allow him to get those huge plays, that's going to be it. And I think that's totally mm-hmm. fine. I think it's more than enough for him to be a really good quarterback. But his ability is, especially confidence-wise, you talked about overflowing with confidence. He has this innate ability where whenever he does have the confidence, it feels like it changes who he is as a player. Like you look at how what he did at Pitt his last year. Like he was really mm-hmm. confident in his receivers, his players he was playing with, his offense. He understood the offense. Once that all clicked, you got his senior season. That got him drafted in the first round in the NFL draft. And I think for good reason. If that type of thing can continue in the NFL where he does trust the play calling, which again, who knows, maybe he's been able to convince himself and that can is not that bad. You know, he trusts receivers. Clearly, he definitely trusts Pickens and hopefully the other guys too. We could be in line for a guy that can at least elevate this offense beyond what it normally would be capable of with the play. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, and I think that that's definitely reasonable. Like in terms of second year jumps, you you expect to see them from you quarterbacks. It's what we've seen them. historically from first round quarterbacks, and so we need to see that with Pickett. And I think it, he's obviously, from what I've witnessed, on the right track of doing that. My my biggest thing all along, Shane, is was it the right decision to bring back Canada for a third year? I know that you don't yeah. want to have another offensive coordinator change, but at the same time, I don't want Canada to be the reason that ends up ultimately hurting his confidence because. Right. He's not getting enough opportunities to showcase his ability. Like I, I want to see him kind of loosen the reins a little bit. Yes. Let, let's see what he's got. And, and I, 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 my philosophy kind of chain when it comes to the quarterback position is we really need to see who you are. Like you yes. don't want to get to year five. Yeah. You don't want, yeah. You don't want to get to year five and, and wonder like, do we, do we have a Daniel Jones on our hand? <laughs> like right, you need to right. know who you have and can this guy go toe to toe, so to speak with some of the other top quarterbacks in the AFC. It's not that Pickett has to be better than a Mahomes or a Josh Allen. And right. it's not fair to expect him to do that. But at the same time, Shane, it, that everything needs to be in place. Like with a combination of picket with a good defense and whatever else you have going for you, is that going to be enough? Yeah. And we need to see those major strides this year. We need to see those yards per attempt to go up. And I, I think that this stuff will come in time. It's just, what's the extent of it going to be? Is he going to be that game managing type quarterback for the Steelers? Or is he going to be a guy that, that really makes his bread and butter by scrambling around, finding plays down the field. Like that's the stuff that I get really intrigued by with yeah. Pickett. And I hope that he's got, he gets a lot of opportunity to do that with the Steelers this year. All right. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the still curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the still curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. And if you are joining us live here, please feel free to ask your questions in the chat. We'd love to be able to get to Absolutely. those Shane. Let's talk Steelers preseason football. It's been a long time since we got to do this. And so I'm stoked for Friday night. Steelers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Florida. And 
there's going to be plenty of things to watch for. I mean, obviously we know that in just several weeks time, we're going to cut this 90 man roster down to 53 players. There's only one roster cut date anymore. Some interesting yeah, really how teams do that. Is it going to be crazy all flood all at once? Or do you start making, being a little bit more proactive and say, Hey, we know you're not going to be part of the plan. We're going to get rid of you ahead of the third preseason game or whatever. So to each their own, it, it's, it could be just mass chaos right before the cut yeah. down deadline as well. Um, and so waiver claims could be made there too, depending yeah. on what the Steelers think of the strength at the rest of the roster. Uh, but I want to talk about this preseason game. I know everybody's excited to watch it. We got a little taste of preseason football, Shane, with the Jets and Browns for anybody that yeah. decided to tune into that Hall I, of Fame game. I, I am the sicko who watches the Hall of Fame game every year. So I, I, I don't blame yeah. you. I mean, football is back, and so right. we wanted to see it, obviously. Uh, I also don't blame you if you didn't because it's the Hall yeah. of Fame game, and you're getting like second, third, I, I am admittedly a, a Dorian Thompson Robinson fan, so like yeah, that's yeah. a big reason I watched it. He's but a fun that's, player, yeah. So okay, uh, it's coming in regards to this game right here, Shane. Lots of things that we're going to be looking for over these yeah. next several weeks. Obviously, we know when since the seventeen game schedule happened uh, two years ago, coming up on the third year now. Uh, we have one less preseason game yes. to watch. Unfortunately, I was, always, I, I was a fan of that move just because I don't want to see guys play too much and get hurt. But I get it. Yeah, you did. You never want to see injuries. At right. the same time, I love watching these backups play. I like. Oh, I mean, that's the problem. That's the trade off, right? It's, like it's the trade off that you get in that NFL PA. I mean, there's always a compromise. You yeah, add, is, yeah. add another game, and we're getting one one less preseason game. So we got the Bucks. At, Everybody's going to play from what Mike Tomlin said. It's just a matter of how much. Right. So, so Shane, before we jump into here, I'll ask you, how much would you like to see the starting unit for, for both sides of the ball play this game? A quarter, I think. Because I, I think okay. what's going to happen is this is going to be where they play the, the first quarter mostly. The second preseason game, you'll see in maybe the first half or so. And then the third preseason game is mostly going to be for those last, like, few roster spots leave a lot of the backups to play that game kind of it's going to basically be i think at least how it should be is how it used to be where the first preseason game was usually like very little if any starters second yeah. ramp it up a little bit third was the the dress rehearsal and mm -hmm. then you know game four was for the, the backups off, yeah you're just going to move that up a week right that's kind of yeah, how i yeah. would like to see them handle it i do want to see kenny and the rest of the guys play a little bit on offense i want to see this defense minus maybe like tj and some other guys maybe they don't need to play mm -hmm. that much but want to see a lot of these guys play with the first unit just to see how they're doing, you know, and how they're meshing and then the backups can come in and handle it from that. Yeah. Obviously avoiding injuries is the biggest thing. Yes, Nobody wants to, to see an injury here at the same time, Shane, these guys have very little continuity together. I mean, we yes, look at all the changes it, yeah. they have. I mean, you want to get a guy like Allen Robinson involved, Calvin Austin. <laughs> mm -hmm. Those guys don't have much experience. If Darnell Washington is planning on playing with the first team offense a lot as the Y tight end, uh, Isaac Siamalu is obviously new. I don't think we're too worried about him being the, right. the veteran most player on that offensive line and being a, a quality football player with the Eagles. Uh, but there are some changes here. And so you want to see this, this offense mesh and same goes for the defense as well, who is more experienced all around. Yes. The defense yeah. is obviously older than the offense. Uh, but I'm hoping that we see that. And I'm hoping that a quarter is enough Shane to see yeah. like, all right, I'm feeling pretty confident going into the second preseason game. You don't want to have like, those first three drives or whatever the, they give the first team offense stall out completely and be like, is that enough? And we right. really see him in there long enough. Yeah. So we want to, we want to be given a, a, just kind of a sigh of relief, I guess, after this game to say, okay, we're on the right track here. And again, it's preseason. Can't take too much away for it uh, from it, but you, you want to see uh, positive signs at least. All right, Shane, what to watch for. Let's start here with the offensive line performance. I think this is going to be 
one of the key things to look for here in this game. And, and for so many reasons, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here. We don't know, like we said, what time exactly Broderick is going to see that. We know that Dan Moore is going to be the starter for this game. He's listed as a starter on Steelers first depth chart. That's going to change in time. We just don't know how soon that's going to be. And so I think one of the key things to look for on the offensive line chain is the offensive tackle performances mm -hmm. and really all top, all three of the top guys, because first of all, how well does Dan Moore do? Does he do well enough? It's like, yeah, there's no contest. You're, you're going to be our starter for at least the foreseeable future until we mm -hmm. decide otherwise. Is there a big gap between Dan Moore and Broderick Jones? You're, you're probably not going to be hoping to see that because Broderick's likely going to be going against second stringers right. by the time he comes in and Dan Moore is going to go against the first string. Um, is it the other way around? And then even with the quarter four, Shane, does a core four look like the third best tackle of the three? Because I think they'll all be close enough yeah. where it's possible, even though the core four is going into his sixth season, it's not like he is a spectacular starter in comparison to the rest of the league. And so if it's like, Oh, Broderick's looking good. Dan Moore looked really good when he was starting a core four kind of looked like with the weak link. Are we now experimenting in week two of the preseason by saying, Hey, let's maybe let's throw Dan Moore over there and we'll, we'll, right. we'll put Broderick at tackle a uh, left tackle. And so I'm interested to see how that whole thing shapes up. Obviously, you, you want to see uh, like the interior offensive line and the strengths of the team pretty well known are, are expected to be the guards, Isaac Ciamalo and James Daniels. I know the centers have kind of had a little bit of a rough go here at training camp. Uh, Mason Cole is that guy. You want to see him have a strong performance. And so uh, the line needs to look better overall with the investments they made. The line, the line just has to look better this year. Yeah, I think overall, like the performance of them is going to be really important. But also, I'm really curious to see what that second unit ultimately looks like when they go to it. Mm -hmm. Like, I what I would like to see a little bit too, and like especially because he, even though he's an established starter technically, you know, he's a guy that might benefit from this. I would like to see Dan Moore go over to right tackle and play some in the you know, second quarter on. Yeah, just to kind of, I want to see him get reps at that, right? And he's not going to yep. do it in the starting unit because they're going to have a core four out there. So maybe him mm -hmm. and Broderick can be the tackles for going into the second quarter a little bit and then put someone else over there, Clark or whoever it is, right? But I want to see that. I'm curious, like, is Green going to be the first – is he going to be the center that replaces Cole? You know, is that going to be who comes in? Mm -hmm. Is Are they going to get Spencer Anderson in there at center a little bit? You know, I, it's, I'm curious how that second unit and even third unit, once we get to that point, how they kind of line up and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, because that's going to mean, mean a lot in terms of depth and, like, who we can expect to be the first people off the bench in certain situations or – whatever else. So that's honestly kind of my biggest yeah. like thing I'm looking for is how they handle that situation. Yeah. The other thing that I want to see Shane is the backup battle for, for guard, because this yeah. it's intriguing. Like, is it going to be one of those situations where, all right, if, if we get an injury injury to see Kevin Dawson comes in, if we get an right. injury to James Daniels, Herbig comes in, or will one person separate themselves? Maybe enough, Nate, Her yeah, Her Nate Herbig can go and say, yeah, I'm good enough to to be the backup interior swing position for entirely. all three of the entirely. Yeah. So I, I want to see uh, their performances com in comparison to each other. And it'd be nice to know, obviously if the Steelers have some quality depth on their hands in the interior offensive line there, uh, the depth is better all around but we got to remember last year, the Steelers were the most fortunate team in the NFL in terms of yeah. uh, few injuries to their offensive line, never missed a starting performance of the entire five group. The only team to do that. Yeah. Uh, we can't expect that to happen you this year. So on that every year. If somebody goes down for a four or six game stretch or, or for the whole season, <sighs> they need to know that they have something in place. They're ready to go. All right. Uh, let's talk about the slot receiver battle, Shane. I think this is one that's very intriguing. Uh, it, we, we mentioned it, obviously, before the start of training camp. Keep an eye on it. But I'm now that the preseason's here, I'm really interested to see 
how they kind of divvy up the snaps here too, because Robin, obviously Robinson is the guy listed higher on the depth chart. He is the veteran player. They, they brought him in on his guaranteed salary. And so we have to assume that he's going to get a lot of looks there. Uh, but at the same, at the same time, you want to see Calvin Austin be able to carve out that role and cut into some of Allen Robinson's time because he is so dynamic and explosive with the football in his hands. And so uh, I want to see how that battle goes. Like, is it going to be one of those ones? It's like, all right, you can easily tell Robinson's the experienced guy and, and he's doing what he needs to do. Uh, or is it going to be like, all right, maybe, maybe Austin's on his heels a little bit here for playing time, because I think that's the way that fans honestly probably should be rooting. The Steelers were, were lacking uh, big plays outside of George Pickens last year, and they were grossly lacking yards after the catch. And that is not something that Allen Robinson is going to provide much of at all. Not it's just not his now. game. So I think that Austin has the ability potentially to be your most efficient yak receiver in terms of yards after the catch per reception. And so I'm interested to see what he offers. Yeah, I think for me, I, I do assume that Allen Robinson is going to be the guy who gets the the, the starting nod and going to play mm -hmm. most of the, the time with the starters this game. But what, what I'm more curious about, honestly, and what I'm kind of hoping is what ultimately happens is Calvin should be the primary slot backup and also the primary backup to Deontay Johnson. Like, that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Because realistically, like, yeah. George is the X, right? He is the, he's the guy that's going to be dealing with press coverage. You're going to allow him to do that because he can win off the line. And so can Deontay. But he's going to be a guy that you can throw the ball to in really any situation. Where I think Calvin can make an impact is you can line him up as the Z where he is off the line and he isn't going to get pressed and he can run routes and separate from guys out there and give Kenny, although a small target, an open target. Mm. And then also in the, from the slot position, you hope that you can get some reps out of him where he can run with the, with the football, like you said. Because Allen's not going to do that. He's going to get open. He's probably going to be able to catch the tough catches, get first downs. That's all great. But when you want explosive plays and you're trying to get an explosive play, He's not the guy you're going to go to at this point. He just isn't, right? And you, you hope that Calvin mm -hmm. can at least carve out a role as the technical, you know, backup slot receiver, but really like a situational slot receiver slash C. Like that's what I think he ultimately is going to end up doing. Yeah, and we don't know how much Canada's offense is going to change this year, but what right. we do know is somewhat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you can't finish last in yards per ten, and part and part no. of that is not throwing the ball over the middle of the field enough. Obviously, no. I mean, they avoided that, like the plague last Which year. Made so. no sense. Yes, but whatever. Get, get Austin on some drags. Like, yeah. get him a little bit of space. I want to see what he can do with the ball. Yeah, just let him, the guy is really let him fast. run around. Yeah. And, and that, that was kind of his his forte at uh, Memphis. Is just He could just explode away from people. And so um, they have to be better with, with the yards after the catch stuff this year. And I'm interested to see. Uh, Austin's a guy I want – I want to be able to trust him with a big role on the field Ideally, so that he can yeah. help in that regard. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the linebackers and specifically the pecking order of the linebackers who comes out first, second, third. Uh, I want to see this is going to be really interesting. Obviously just from contractual reasons, if nothing else, we have to assume that Cole Holcomb is going to be that every down linebacker. Yes. They have the guy that plays Hopefully. all three downs there. And, and he is the most talented of the group. I mean, yes. the guy's a phenomenal athlete. He was coming off some pretty strong seasons before the injury. Uh, the season-ending injury uh, in Washington last year. Um, and then you look at the money past that, Shane. I mean, uh, Landon Roberts has a two-year, $7 million deal, where Quan only has a one-year deal over just $1 million. And so the money would suggest that, I mean, Roberts is going to be that buck linebacker, that downhill linebacker next to uh, Cole Holcomb in that base defense. What they do on third downs and in just their general nickel, depending on down, down and distance, is going to be really interesting to me. Do you take 
Roberts off the field because of his lack of coverage ability? Do you put Quan on the field? In what situations does Mark Robinson come on the field? Because I think in many ways, Robinson and Roberts are mirrors of each other, that downhill bruising Vince Williams type linebacker, if you will. And even like a Tanner Muse, like does, does Muse get action on defense actually this this time it's something that he wasn't really getting in seattle but we know the guy can move the guy can run he ran like a 442 coming out of college and i think he has some coverage ability so i want to see what they do there because we know that the achilles heel of this linebacker group shane has been their lack of ability in coverage not that they've been great run defenders either uh since vince williams and shazier but the lack of coverage ability has been concerning. They've got to get better in that regard. And so I'm really interested to see this preseason game, like who comes out with the first unit, second unit, and then situationally, like who is out there in, in obvious passing situations. So I can, I'm, I'm going to say, I'll tell you what I kind of hope, right? Like, let's start with yeah, what go we ahead. hope we do. So mm-hmm. I do think Holcomb and Roberts are obviously the starters, right? I think Landon Roberts is going to be that buck linebacker that we've talked about for years as a, as a role the Steelers really care about. He's going to be the guy that blitzes. He's going to be the guy that comes downhill, you know, hard at the line. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. Holcomb's going to be more of a, a chase in, you know, tackle type of player, right? And that's fine. That's a great combination. I think those two skill sets really mirror each other really well. They're 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 pretty nice combo. I think when you need someone to come off the field and passing downs, it's obviously going to be Roberts. I do think Alexander is going to be the guy that does come in in nickel situations if they don't need someone who can run downhill. Now, I think Roberts still will get third down snaps as a blitzer. I do think they're going to blitz him a lot, yeah. kind of what they used to do with Vince. I know Vince had some mm-hmm. sacks that way, like very similar style of player in that regard. So I could see that being the case, but you hope Alexander comes in. And then I do think Muse has a shot to be kind of like an overhang defender in certain situations. I think he has a shot to be a guy that comes in and dime packages and things like that to just help get more athleticism out there. And again, I, we talked about it last time when we were talking about linebackers, I think Keanu Neal is going to factor into this position too, in some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe not as a true linebacker, but he's going to be down in that box area as a coverage player. I think relatively often, especially if either Alexander or especially Roberts, if he is out there, is getting abused too often. I do think we'll see Neil come down and maybe help a little bit there too. So I don't know how it's going to work out in the preseason because I feel like the, the starters obviously may not play very much. So like the guys who come in might just be just straight up the backups. So you don't really know what to expect there, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping it kind of works out the way that I laid out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping it does too, Shane. I have a roster prediction uh, coming out just before this preseason game, right. and then obviously we'll update that as we go. I think five linebackers is the sweet spot here. Yeah. And even at those bottom of the roster guys, like the Nick Kwiatkowski, who's got over 2,000 yeah, special teams in his career. Like, sure. There's some value to that because of what he offers on special teams. And then Chappelle Russell is having a good camp as yeah, well. And I've so. Heard that, yeah. And, and so I think I really think with those final three guys, Shane, it's it's a three dogs in one bone situation with with Muse being the third of those those three guys at the bottom. there, kind of looking at that position, say, yeah. hey, we're He's been a good kind of battling each other a lot, too. So, so and, and, and Muse uh, Muse is the guy I'm polling for because yeah. he is the superior athlete over the other guys. And you mm-hmm. hope that maybe he can can give you something in coverage that like a, a Marcus Allen couldn't give you in previous right. years. So, yeah. I'll be interested to see how that works. Keep an eye on the linebackers this game on Friday night. Uh, let's talk about DeMarvin Leal real quick. we got two more talking points here before we close out today's show. Leal is just that one player I've just been so interested by from yeah. day one. Didn't think he was an ideal fit, but obviously has some talent to his game, was a productive player uh, at Texas A&M. So kind of a guy that the Steelers are using a little bit of everywhere. I mean, in training camp so far, 
he's kind of lined up all over that defensive line, including even on the edge in, in base defense. And so what I want to see from him in the Steelers versus Bucks game, first of all, when does he come on the field? Is it, is it right away with that first team? Like, is he rotating in the very first third down? Uh, is it not until like the second quarter where you're going to see the guy? I have to imagine you want to deploy some sort of rotation. So fairly early in the game, I would expect to see Leal out there on the field. I know he has been dealing with some injuries, so uh, but the word is that he's healthy enough at this point. Um, how are they going to use the guy? I mean, I want to see what role is best for him. I still kind of am, am under the belief chain that it's going to ultimately be like a penetrating interior role, like that three technique role. I don't know if he's big enough and stout enough to be that five tech four I that, that big base end. And I just don't know if he's athletic enough to be a edge rusher, even in base, uh, unless it's an obviously obvious running situation, because anytime you guy you get a guy that runs a five second 40 or worse, you're just not going to be quite athletic enough to get there as fast as what an edge defender needs to get to the quarterback. So I'm really interested to see how he's deployed here. Uh, and, and again, he the guy was on, IR for a good portion of the season last year. Maybe the plan's a little bit different. Maybe that body type is a little bit different now. I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah, I think he's the guy that has the most intrigue going into the preseason simply because yeah. where is he going to play? What role is he going to have? You talked about when does he come in the game? Is he going to you know sub in during the time that the first team defense is still out there? Is he going to show that he's part of a rotation? Like, There's so many question marks with a player that was drafted high enough and is talented enough where you expect certain things from him. But you also don't know what to expect. It's kind of a weird, mm -hmm. you know, it's a microcosm of his situation last year, where like he played a lot of roles, he play, he he did a lot of things, and just you want to see him just settle into something. Honestly, kind of regardless of what it is, um, I, my preference is still either five or you said like a three, one of those two. But regardless of what it is, I just want to see him yeah. settle into it and hopefully get a lot of snaps at whatever position it ends up being. Yep, I agree, and and we'll see how he does in those roles because I'll be interested to see which one looks best for him, uh, and, and so that'll be something important to note. All right, one more here, Shane, as we close up today's show. Uh, Steelers versus Buccaneers, first preseason game. I'm interested to see the slot cornerback battle. I mean, this was this was a question even way back before free agency started. Yeah, and and Arthur Mallette was under contract for another year, and obviously we know the Steelers ditched Mallette. There was a falling out there. Mm -hmm. I'm not crying over the loss of Mallette because I think that Mallette was sort of a big liability in coverage yeah, at a lot of times through, throughout his his tenure with the Steelers. At the same time, Shane, it's like. Who is the answer? Like, is, is it going to legitimately be Patrick Peterson who hasn't really done this throughout his career? Is it going to be a player like Shannon Sullivan who's been really disappointing for the Vikings the last two years? Are we going to get an outsider like an, an Elijah Riley or a Duke Dawson or someone stepping up? Somebody's got to step up and show us that they can handle this role because a slot cornerback in today's NFL is essentially a starting job. I mean, it teams are, in, job, are yeah. in nickel more often than not. You have to have a guy that can hold up in coverage there. And so I'm really interested to see uh, between that that just huge cluster of players who are each kind of dividing first and second team reps with the Steelers so far in training camp, who ultimately is, is the guy that's going to show up here. Yeah, and it, right now you look at the depth chart. And granted, it's the initial depth chart. It means pretty much nothing. Mm -hmm. But the three names, like you said, Chan Sullivan, Elijah Riley, Duke Dawson. I really would prefer if it's none of them unless they really just <laughs> prove it. Right? Like yeah, if someone yeah. goes out there and just – really shows coverage chops and can fill mm -hmm. in the run game can crash down from this. Like if they can do that. Awesome. Right. It's just, none of those guys have the track record. And the one guy that has the playing time, it wasn't good. 
So, it's, you know, yeah. I mean, granted, like Arthur Millette was not great and we got by with it. So maybe he can at least like if it's Sullivan, maybe he can be just a mm-hmm. hopefully not any worse version of that. But again, the upside is just so small there that you hope that maybe it can be kind of a committee effort, like maybe in certain passing situations, it is going to be Peterson that moves in the slot. Maybe it's going to be Levi Wallace or whoever. But this position is the one position on the team that is truly open, like wide open. And it is not for a good reason, unfortunately. So you hope that if it is one of these guys, they actually earn it and just aren't just the, the least bad. You know, that's kind of what you yeah. hope for. Yeah. But if not, I do hope that, you know, maybe whether it's the waiver wire or whatever else, maybe someone comes open that, you know, can can fill that role in a, in a better way than what we have right now. Yeah, the outlook is is scary, Shane, yeah, for some of the reasons great. that you mentioned. Like, we go through these players real quick. Chin and Sullivan, the sample has not been good Just these bad. last couple last of years. Year and it's, it's, it re- he really looked like an unrosterable player in coverage yeah. at times. Yeah. Duke Dawson, former second-round pick who just failed, flat-out failed with the Patriots, couldn't catch on with the Broncos, and now the Steelers have him years later. And it's like, all right, I'm not to say that you can't redeem your career as as a football player, but there's got to be a reason why you just were not catching on anywhere else before. And then Elijah Riley, I mean, is a safety by trade. Can he make that transition? And and he's he's, of the three, I think that from what I've gathered and from what I've witnessed, I think that Riley is probably the most encouraging of that group. Because he just has not proven it yet, but he hasn't proven that he can do it either. And so it's one of those situations where it's like, yeah, you 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 have to see, you have to see that person step up and say, yes, I'm confident moving forward with this person playing the slot for me because it is such a big and important role. They don't have a Mike Hilton or, or a uh, Cameron Sutton like they've had in years past, or guys that are tailor made for that uh, for covering the slot there. And so. Be interested to see, and maybe the maybe the answer is when the flood of uh, waivers happens, then maybe Steelers put one in for a guy that can play that role. But maybe uh, it'll be interesting to see, and and just keep your eye on that because it's going to affect how the defense, the overall performance of the defense this year for sure. All right, I think that's probably enough. Uh, Ty, any yeah. other points you want to add for the Steelers preseason game here? I mean, I will just say from the Bucks side, I'm very curious about the Baker Mayfield or Kyle oh, Trask yeah. depth chart uh, designation. <laughs> that's very interesting to me. Um, not saying I'm a big fan of Baker Mayfield, but Kyle Trask is not good in my opinion. Never was good, still isn't good. So if he loses that battle, he might want to just find another job. You know, I never that. understood that hype at Florida. I did not get it. He and was the people banging the Kyle table Pitts for made that man Trask. millions of dollars. <laughs> like, yes, quite literally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Kadarius Tony with yeah, the one after both, the catchability. Honestly, so. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens here. Uh, even if the Steelers don't play their starters very long, we've got lots to look forward to. Yes, a lot of guys yeah. at the bottom of the roster trying to make a push, and so we'll see what happens on Friday night. Stay with us, and we'll bring you the coverage for that, and we'll be back here with the podcast next Wednesday. Thank you for joining us today on the show. You can follow Shane on Twitter, at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter, at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain podcast. And thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.